Welcome to the Numbers Game. I'm Jace, and I'm joined by Nick and Marty. How are we going today, fellas? Going well, thanks, Jace. After the last episode, there was a lot of tech talk and a lot of people that are, you know, getting on in years, being, you know, just displaced out of the work environment. So I've been upskilling myself over the last week, making sure I'm all over it. But going well, going well. How are you, Nick, my friend? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, just feeling real productive. Already thinking about things that we could do in our business. Uh, outside of upskilling you, although I don't, don't know how that's even possible. <laughs> you know, absolutely everything there is to know. Oh, so, um, right. oh, well recovered. Uh, going well, and um, yeah, looking forward to this episode. We always get some really good um, ears on our podcast when we talk tax. So, Jace, you're going to share some some pretty cool stuff with us around how you, or how we can fix the uh, the tax issues and the budget deficit. Well, yeah, definitely. It's um, well. Anytime that somebody will listen to me talk about GST reform and taxes, I get pretty excited and hopefully we didn't lose everyone turning off uh, just then because bear with me, there's some interesting facts and figures and some stories around how places like Google and Facebook can end up paying next to no tax. So if you want to be like Google or Facebook, stick around. And if the ATO is listening, that's a joke because I'm not encouraging that kind of behavior. Um, today's episode brought to you by the team at Future Advisory. Um, since we're talking all things tax, um, we're in the thick of tax planning mode uh, when it comes to June 23 when this recording's done. Um, if you're listening in July 23 onwards, we're probably doing tax returns and all sorts of other crazy stuff. So if you need help with your taxes or just a general chat around business advisory, structures, bucket companies, you know, minimizing your tax legally futureadvisory.com.au and you want to talk to Greg, definitely Greg is your man. <laughs> uh, he'll love, that was a test to see if he's listening. Uh, good, good luck at the Gold Coast Marathon, Greggy, if you are listening. I'm sure this will be uh, around that time. So, guys, pre, and we were planning a couple of eps I did throw out there. We talked about the productivity boost, uh, one of the recent eps, Nick, you brought to the table, and one of the things there that we didn't go into too much detail because it was safe, this was tax reform. Um we're talking about, you know, how tax can prohibit and stop businesses from innovating and wanting to do more because there just isn't that many incentives or things that, that can be done. And then also, if you are a high income earner as an individual or as a business, the amount of taxes you end up having to pay. So we know here that the highest uh, marginal tax rate for an individual ends up at about 47%. So, you know, you go to work, you work hard and you come home and and half of everything you earn is going to the tax man. So I talked about um, Australia being one of the only countries in the world who has GST or VAT, so it's basically a tax on goods and services, that has not moved or has not changed since it was first introduced. So back in the year 2000, uh, some of us may remember Johnny Howard. I think he's a close friend of yours, Marty. You guys went to school together. Um, So (laughs) it's... Can't help myself. I've got more hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Johnny Howard brought in uh, the GST uh, back in 2000, one of the things he's uh, well known for, and it was brought in at 10%. Now, a lot of people liked 10%. It was a very easy number to work with. If something was $2 back then, it became $2.20. Um, and, you know, it was nice and easy to be able to work those numbers out. Now, for the last 23 years, it stayed 10%. When most other developed economies and countries in the world have made changes to increase their rate of GST or VAT, um, even if it's only marginally in small increases, but they've increased it to work on the amount of revenue that a government collects. Nick, you talked about us being in a deficit. Our country owes a truckload of money um, due to all of the spending that it did to try and keep us out of recession during COVID and all the other things. 
This is an example of increasing GST. Now, I'm not one to go around saying, hey, we should pay more taxes. Increasing GST as a way of leveling the playing field. And then what would need to happen there is then we could decrease income taxes for all income earners, not just high income earners, but you'd be able to decrease the amount of income tax taxed on people's wages or businesses when they go to work. And what would be is a consumption tax where you then end up paying the right amount of tax based on how much money you spend. So I use the example of a client that went out the other day and bought a Maserati because he's making a killing. Even if he paid a little bit less tax in his business and a little bit less tax on his income, when he goes and buys that fancy new car, he's going to be paying a lot more GST than you if you buy your Toyota Corolla because you want to spend what's within your realm. Um, so guys, before I dive into too much more around GST and VAT and some of the kind of stats and things around that, what are your high level thoughts on increasing GST and then bringing down income taxes? No brainer for me. I, I go back to Marty's uh, solution, which is I think 25% tax across the board whether it's 20% tax or 15% tax, whatever it is. But the reality is that when people earn money, they spend it. Um, and that, of course, there's people that save money and become wealthier, and that's, that's, that's good. Um, at some stage, someone's going to spend that money that they're saving. So for me, it's the one thing that gives absolute, with, a, I'm sure, a slight deviation of absolute, but... Mm. Really, a really good way to make sure those with more money pay more tax. Yep. Because if you haven't got it, you're not spending it. If you've got it, you're spending it. Um, I can't see a way around. The only way people would get around that is if they're uh, paying cash for something, um, which means the, uh, the 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 vendor is not charging GST. But you know, that's very difficult these days. It's not like it used to be. We're a cashless society. So cash is becoming almost useless. Um, so I, I think that's a diminishing problem, people trading with cash, although it is still there. Yeah. But for me, it's just, it's it's fair. It's if you earn more money, you want to spend more, then you're going to pay the GST. It's just yeah. a way to make sure you actually capture it instead of giving people a, uh, a system uh, where certain methods can get them around paying what is fair. Um, yeah. And I'm you know, obviously referring to our tax system. Yeah. So thoughts, Marty? Still a cashless a cash society out there at the valley? Yeah, there's a yeah, just check under the cupboards when you break in. There's all under the bed, there's always a little bounty to be found out there. But uh no, I totally agree. I think I think um yeah, I I like obviously that tax rate across the board to be a certain percentage. So we can I think we're natural consumers. I think people are just natural, you know, they'll naturally spend and then give a benefit to the people that are earning under a certain amount, whether it's fifty thousand or thirty thousand. Uh, you know, give them maximum incentive and tax cuts. Um, so you're looking after the people that really need it. Uh, I like the idea you've brought that up today with the increased GST. Other economies are doing it. Uh, so that, you know, I have to give that a little bit more thought, Jace, but I think it's a, it's a really good idea because you are then, – then you're bringing that equality back into that consumer market. So give people more to spend. They will create more opportunity. So at the moment in society in Australia, it's still like you get punished for doing well. And I, I, I'd like to – I'd like to transition that to encouraging people to create more, you know, and the money is just the scorecard and then how that's allocated in the system is more fair. So I like the increased GST. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I'm thinking through my mind how will that impact um, 
you know, the people that are earning less, but I think it'll be an equivalent to where they're at in what they're consuming anyway. So I think it does make sense uh, in hearing it at a high level. I've got a question for Jason. You too, Marty. Um, and this, this could be a really stupid question, but why do we have a sliding scale on tax rate based on what you earn? Because on the surface, to me, that makes absolutely no sense. If you're talking about disincentivizing people to get ahead, that's the one thing that creates the disincentive because, you know, you go up to that next tax bracket, you lose even more of a percentage of your income. Um, so why would you want – and it also means people are always trying to do dodgy things to get below that bracket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, some people might say, well, the more people that earn more should contribute more. Well, they will automatically. If the, if the tax rate's 15% across the board and I earn 100 and someone else earns 50, then I'm going to pay double the tax. And then I'm also not going to have an incentive to try and get below a particular bracket. And the money, I've got more money, so I'm probably going to spend more, which means I'm going to pay more GST. So, yeah, I don't know. Is that a stupid question? It's not. I mean, for me, it comes back to the basics where people, they even, even the second partner in a family doesn't want to go back to work after having kids because they'll be over a threshold where they don't get the Centrelink payments. Mm-hmm. You know, you've still got baby boomers that don't want to have over 200 grand in the account because they're not going to get their pension. Uh, it, it's like we're, we're not incentivising. Yeah, people will always work the system. How much money do we spend in regards to, you know, finding good vehicles to minimise tax mm. and maximise money back into the business to, to provide more jobs and do more business, you know. But look, look at that. We talked about productivity in the last episode. Look how much headspace has to go towards that where you just have a simple system to encourage people to do more and do better and support the people that legitimately can't um, for whatever reason, could be health or a number of different things. Um, then you've got a whole economy that's moving forward and encouraging each other um, through just the stories running through the whole economy to do well. Yeah. And um, and I think the government benefits from that. You know, it just uh, The other way just doesn't make sense, yeah. all these tears to me. Well, and the other thing, Nick, and it's a great point you bring up, I, I, I would be retired if I could, or maybe not retired, but if, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me, what's the point in earning to the next bracket because they're just going to get taxed more? So when people see these, you know, going from 90,000 back in the, for a long time it was 90K and if you went over 90K, you went up to 30, 37 cents in the dollar was your tax rate. Now, psychologically, a lot of people went, whoa, geez, I'm going to keep my income at 89,999 because I don't want to go into 37% thinking that it changed their whole tax rate to 37 cents instead of 32 cents, 32 and a half. Again, it's a psychological thing. Then I've had people come to me and go, oh, there's no point getting a second job to, to top up my income because I'm going to lose half of it as tax because it's 50% tax on a second job. And it's like, well, no, that's not how it works. You only pay tax based on your marginal tax rate. So if you're earning up to 90000 it'd still be 32 and a half cents for that upper limit. But actually on average, it's probably closer to 20 cents in the dollar. So if you actually got that second job, yes, they would withhold some extra tax to make sure you were covered but then you get a whopping healthy refund at tax time because you're only really paying on average 20 cents to the dollar. But again, it's all of these different things that kind of stifle productivity. And again, we're bringing that yeah. last episode in, just going, the, and Australia is well known for having the one, one of the most complex tax systems in the world or the most overtaxed system. And for a long time, they've tried to bring down you know, the company tax rate from 30% to 27.5% and now it's sitting at 25 
But this is then where I was going to segue into the back end of this episode and talking about tax reform for a better economy. That's the point of what we're talking about here and, and getting people comfortable with change for the better, for the greater good of our economy. Now, you've got a place like Ireland, which I wanted to share a story with you guys. Ireland has a 12% or a 12.5% company tax rate. I'm just going to flick down to my notes now that my mouse isn't working. 12.5%. Now, 12.5% compared to Australia's 25%, if you're making a decent whack of money as a big multinational global corporation, you're probably more likely to want to be taxed out of Ireland than Australia, aren't you? Ireland then go further and have an even better deal for these big global players where they effectively help places like Facebook and Google get their effective rates of tax down to between 2% and 4.5%. So if you're a global, you know, multi-billion dollar profit organization, do you want to pay tax in Australia or do you want to pay tax in Ireland? I know where, yep, correct, spot on. So Ireland a long time ago went, how do we increase revenue as a country? What kind of things do we put in place? Really, really smart. They, they went and put all these things in place deliberately as a government and as an economy to make sure that places like Facebook or Google would want to have their global headquarters based in Ireland. Um, and many, many years ago, all of these companies then, you know, basically valued their assets and sold their IP and different bits and pieces over to Ireland because it made much more financial sense. And as an example of that, in 2016, Facebook recorded global revenue of $27 billion and paid $30 million in tax. $27 billion? $30 million. So it's back to, it's, it's, I won't even do the percent. It's like one and a bit percent back then, and now it's kind of hovering two, three percent. Um, so it's, this is, you know, and I bring this up as examples of, and look, even, I think I touched on it before to you boys, even as a small business accounting firm at Future, with the clients we work with, we've now got multiple clients that have dealings around the world. They're, they're working out of the US, you know, Netherlands, Europe, you know, New Zealand entities, different stuff going on everywhere. And the world is becoming way more globalized than it's ever been before. And I remember 10 years ago in my CPA studies, it was talking about globalization and how we had to be open and familiar to business dealings cross borders. Now, it's taken 10 years, but quite a lot of businesses are now coming to us going, why can't we be structured out of Singapore? Why shouldn't we set up an entity in Hong Kong if there's a 0% tax rate on sales out of Hong Kong that aren't, you know, sales to Hong Kong? Um, you know, why don't I register in Ireland if it's more tax effective? And this is the problem that happens around the world where you've got a com a countries like Australia that put a big barrier up to stopping country, um, businesses from wanting to structure here and pay their taxes here. Are we better off getting 10% of Facebook or Google's taxes on, on their total revenue or letting losing that over to Ireland because we've got too high of a company tax rate? Um, but fortunately, oh, well, guys, what do you think of that first? I mean, just again, we've talked about it before, Marty, you know, bringing, bringing taxes down to a flat 20% and just calling it a day and, and yeah. moving forward. The one thing I hadn't considered to the degree that just hit me with what you were saying, which was a great analysis, is the competitive global market mm. and how people are buying for our vying for our best businesses, and and we should be vying for those you know overseas that are that are quality businesses, and it's um and we're just not competitive. Yeah, that's the first thing that hit me. I'm going, oh wow, well, why why would you? Why wouldn't you be going to Ireland and 
setting up an infrastructure there uh, based on the numbers. Because uh, we, I think naturally everyone's very loyal to their country and they want to do, you know, want to do what's best by their country, but they're not stupid. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. That, you know, business is a human and numbers game. So it's um, you've got to play those numbers well. But I think you've just yeah, uncovered for me a big gaping hole in uh, we really need some serious reform if we're expecting to compete on the global stage. Yep. Yeah. And even just like comparing our market of 26, 27 million people, whatever our country's at now from a population, compared to let's say the US market of 300 million people. You know, if you're going to set up a business that can sell, let's say, a tech product or some software or something that can be drop shipped out of China, do you want to market that to 26 million people in Australia? Or do you want to be set up out of, you know, Delaware in the US as a tax potential tax haven? Not, again, condoning all these things, but, you know, all legally and above board, move over there, get a director, set up a company and start trading. You know, we're, of course, there's more people. So this is where when it comes to globalization and the Australian economy, the Australian government has to start to think smart and go, how do we get people to structure here and bring the income back to Australia and pay a, an appropriate amount of tax for effort so that we can make sure that Australia is a prosperous country moving forward? Now, we'll throw one more good thing at you that came out of um, – kind of the, some more recent reform that is actually meant to try and solve some of these problems, yet to see it happen. I think it's meant to come into effect in 2024. Um, the OECD actually has now implemented and got 136 countries on board a global minimum tax rate of 15%. So what that means in really kind of simple terms is if Facebook or Google take a bunch of profits and transfer it from Australia, for example, and they transfer it over to Ireland where historically they would have paid, let's say, 2 or 3%, they now need to report their global earnings and what tax they've paid globally in all different jurisdictions. And if they haven't paid at least minimum tax rate of 15% on their profit, they will need to pay the additional top-up tax. So gone, well, gone are meant to be the days of paying 2 3 4% tax. There is no to, to who, Jace? Who mm. do they pay it to? Well, that is a very good question, Marty. This is where I'm interested to see how they roll it out. It's meant to come into effect for 2024. So I did try and do some digging pre-show to figure that out. And surprise, surprise, there was one country that initially said no to being on that. I'll let you guess which country didn't want to be on the 15% minimum tax rate. Mm. Ireland. They said no. Mm. So... They did end up um, turning around and agreeing to the proposal for the 15% minimum tax rate. I think they were a bit worried at first by say, if they went too, too early and said yes, how that might affect places like Facebook or, or Google from staying in Ireland and, and being taxed there. Um, it's a great question. I'll look into it. might bring it up for another reading play in future of how they're going to do that. Because I, I thought that too, going, well, if the profits have been lifted out of Australia and sent to Ireland, taxed at 4%, and then this global 15% has to be paid, how do they figure out what's meant to go back to Australia or the US or, or yeah, different as long economies? As it's not so, going back to the governing body. Well, yeah, ex oh, yeah the, <laughs> that uh, OECD might be uh, cashed up <laughs> yeah. and then decide, you know, who, who needs help building roads and infrastructure and hospitals and healthcare and whatnot. So, look, I think the moral of like uh, the moral of the story, the point of this episode, is that you know when we think about our tax system, there is one. You know, and round out on a bit of a positive note that from uh, the 2024 year, things are meant to get more simple. So from 1 July 2024, 
basically they are removing the 32 and a half cent tax bracket and the 37 cent tax bracket. And it's going to be a flat 30 cents between 45,000 and 200,000. So there will be, um, you know, and again, even for ourselves, Marty or Nick, I think you touched on it before about all this manipulation between tax brackets and, you know, moving things around. The accountant in me goes, oh my God, that's, it's taken away some of the flexibility and distributions that, that we use to help bring a family's wealth down to a certain tax limit. But at the same time, now it's simple. If husband and wife are on 80 and 150, we don't really need to kind of muck around with that too much and kind of try and increase someone's wages or, or you know, offer deductions elsewhere because it's a flat 30 cents to the dollar. So there, we are getting some smart changes, but is it enough right now? And, and I don't think it's enough just yet. I think somebody needs to kind of front up and, and do some really serious reform on the Australian tax system. That's the problem though, isn't it? Who's going to front up and do it? And, you know, look at, um, I think, <laughs> I don't want to say this, but uh, you'll probably remember better than we do, Marty, but um, <laughs> John, <I'm out. laughs> Well, it was a little bit before my time and not before my time, but I, I, just, I don't think I was mature enough to really pay enough attention and understand it. But um, from what I understand, John Howard was was loved and respected as a prime minister because there was a genuine care for the country's welfare and long-term welfare versus, you know, um, his tenure uh, and getting re-elected. So you know, it's such a big move to disrupt something like a tax system or a – a super system or a, a pension system. Um, so we need a really mm. uh, courageous leader, I guess, to to make those changes and one that you know thinks past uh, the next election term. Yeah. So such a good point. I just remember when the GST came in, what what a shit show that was, and people going, "Oh, you get GST on cake, but not on fruit." And, oh my God, it was mm. just this. Uh, yeah, it was a political nightmare, no doubt as well. Uh, because it just wasn't communicated well and you got the feeling they didn't even know half the time what they were talking about when it first came in. So I think good communication, strong leadership. Again, we want to incentivise company owners and people doing well. Like Even when you said that 200 grand threshold where people are taxed at 30 cents of the dollar, the immediate response is, oh, goodness, I don't have to think about that anymore. Yeah. Mm. I don't have to think about ways to try and you know, make sure I'm not hemorrhaging on tax or... Yeah, and I, I, I think people would think a lot like that in general if there were business incentives coming back, business owners. I mean, I think the the rhetoric is, oh, well, business owners just put it in their own pocket, but that couldn't be more further from the truth, really. Um, a lot of the times they're paying, you know, CEOs and bringing people in and paying those big bonuses a hell of a lot of the time, and I'm sure it crosses a bit, but generally people want to continue to build businesses and grow revenues and build great businesses. So ultimately they'll, they'll put that money to better good. Yeah, so yeah. it's, um, yeah. yeah, everyone wins if we don't have to constantly worry about how we're getting gouged in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it's, um, I'll leave you, really leave good. you with the, some numbers. Cause I know you love your numbers, Marty and Nick. Um, but effectively one of the biggest kickbacks on that tax cut was that the people who get the biggest win are the income earners earning 200,000 or more they end up paying $9,075 less tax if you earn 200K or more. Um, yeah, a little bit of savings between 120 and 180, of course, but they're the biggest winners is, is what's perceived to be the biggest winners. But the number I'll leave you with is that the top 5% of income earners in Australia contribute 32% of the total income tax revenue collected by the government. 
Now, whether it's fair, whether it's not fair, but the, the this top 5% of Australian workers with higher incomes have been losing a majority lion's share of the income that they earn to the government, who let's just say may not necessarily be spending it very well. I was going to say, to be clear, so that's excluding business. That's, that's, that's individuals um, individual only. taxes. So mm. individual taxes. So then, yeah, the business owner, what they can then pay themselves to have discretionary wealth. So mm. they'd, they'd count in that, in that income tax earner. So these are people on wages. This is the business owner's salary then being classed as an individual. But the top 5% pay 32% of the total income tax collected by the government. Now, if you lower that down a little bit and put the money back in those people's hands to invest, to hire more people and have more jobs, to invest in new companies and innovation, to, again, increase the tax rate and get them to go and buy a new car or, you know, some fancy new clothes or the new iPhone, like whatever it is, there's ways of getting that revenue back to circulate through the economy that is not a prohibitive tax rate that stops people from wanting to do more. So I'll leave you with that one, Marty. Yeah, you're right, Jason. Look, the the people that can get to that point of where they're at will generally be able to go further a lot quicker and bring a lot more people along the way. And that's what's forgotten a lot of the time. So really great episode, Jace. I really enjoyed uh, listening to the numbers and and reforming uh, the Australian tax system and making us uh, competitive like we are in uh, England uh, at the moment, beating India in the Ashes test. Mm-hmm. The uh, That was a great win, so a good one to finish off on as well. Well done, Aussies. Until next time, game over. Mm-hmm.